It's August 4th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. I'm your host, David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. I hope you're enjoying your summer wherever you are, and we are aware that our brothers and sisters in the Southern Hemisphere are staying cool in the winter. I'm thinking of you in the cooler mountains of South America as we are hot up here in North America. We are delighted to have you with us as we read through the scriptures together. One evidence of the Holy Spirit's inspiration is that we make daily discoveries as we read God's Word. It never gets old. We are revisiting the reign of King Josiah today. We read about him already in 2 Kings, and now, once again, we'll be reading about him in 2 Chronicles chapter 35. And we start the book of 1 Corinthians today. So let's not delay, but let's ask the Holy Spirit to keep our hearts humble and open to receive what he wants to impart to us through our reading his inspired word. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 35, beginning with verse 1. Josiah kept a Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover lamb on the fourteenth day of the first month. He appointed the priests to their offices and encouraged them in the service of the house of the Lord. And he said to the Levites who taught all Israel and who were holy to the Lord, Put the holy ark in the house that Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, built. You need not carry it on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Prepare yourselves according to your father's houses by your divisions, as prescribed in the writing of David, king of Israel, and the document of Solomon, his son. And stand in the holy presence according to the groupings of the father's houses of your brothers, the lay people, and according to the divisions of the Levites, by father's household, and slaughter the Passover lamb, and consecrate yourselves, and prepare for your brothers to do according to the word of the Lord by Moses. Then Josiah contributed to the lay people, as Passover offerings for all who were present, lambs and young goats from the flock, to the number of thirty thousand and three thousand bulls. These were from the king's possessions, and his officials contributed willingly to the people, to the priests, and to the Levites. Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, the chief officers of the house of God, gave to the priests for the Passover offerings 2,600 Passover lambs and 300 bulls. Conaniah also, and Shemaiah, and Nathanael, his brothers, and Hashabiah, and Jael, and Jozebad, the chiefs of the Levites, gave to the Levites for the Passover offerings 5,000 lambs and young goats and 500 bulls. When the service had been prepared for, the priests stood in their place and the Levites in their divisions according to the king's command. And they slaughtered the Passover lamb and the priests threw the blood that they received from them while the Levites flayed the sacrifices. And they set aside the burnt offerings that they might distribute them according to the groupings of the fathers' houses of the lay people to offer to the Lord, as it is written in the book of Moses. And so they did with the bulls. And they roasted the Passover lamb with fire, according to the rule. And they boiled the holy offerings in pots, in cauldrons, and in pans, and carried them quickly to all the lay people. And afterward they prepared for themselves and for the priests, because the priests, the sons of Aaron, were offering the burnt offerings and the fat parts until night. So the Levites prepared for themselves and for the priests, the sons of Aaron. The singers, the sons of Asaph, 
were in their place according to the command of David and Asaph and Hemon and Jeduthun the king's seer, and the gatekeepers were at each gate. They did not need to depart from their service, for their brothers the Levites prepared for them. So all the service of the Lord was prepared that day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord, according to the command of King Josiah. And the people of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time, and the feast of the unleavened bread seven days. No Passover like it had been kept in Israel since the day of Samuel the prophet. None of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as was kept by Josiah, and the priests and the Levites, and all Judah and Israel who were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the eighteenth year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to meet him. But he sent envoys to him, saying, What have we to do with each other, king of Judah? I am not coming against you this day, but against the house with which I am at war, and God has commanded me to hurry. See, supposing God, who is with me, lest he destroy you. Nevertheless, Josiah did not turn away from him, but disguised himself in order to fight with him. He did not listen to the words of Necho from the mouth of God, but came to fight in the plain of Megiddo. And the archers shot King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am badly wounded. So his servants took him out of the chariot, and carried him in his second chariot, and brought him to Jerusalem. And he died and was buried in the tombs of his fathers. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah, and all the singing men and singing women have spoken of Josiah in their laments to this day. They made these a rule in Israel. Behold, they are written in the laments. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah, and his good deeds according to what is written in the law of the Lord, and his acts, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. Chapter 36 Judah's Decline The people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's place in Jerusalem. Jehoahaz was twenty-three years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Then the king of Egypt deposed him in Jerusalem, and laid on the land a tribute of a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. And the king of Egypt made Eliakim his brother king over Judah and Jerusalem, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. But Necho took Jehoahaz his brother, and carried him to Egypt. Jehoiakim was twenty-five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Against him came up Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, and bound him in chains to take him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also carried part of the vessels of the house of the Lord to Babylon, and put them in his palace in Babylon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim, and the abominations that he did, and what was found against him, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And Jehoiakim his son reigned in his place. Jehoiakim was eighteen years old when he became king, and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. In the spring of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon, 
with the precious vessels of the house of the Lord, and made his brother Zedekiah king over Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was twenty-one years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God. He stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord, the God of Israel. All the officers of the priests and the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations, and they polluted the house of the Lord that he had made holy in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, until there was no remedy. Therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or aged. He gave them all into his hand, and all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burned the house of God, and broke down the wall of Jerusalem, and burned all its palaces with fire, and destroyed all its precious vessels. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons, until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate it kept Sabbath, to fulfill seventy years. The Proclamation of Cyrus Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you, of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. And this concludes today's portion from the Old Testament, the book of Second Chronicles. And this concludes our reading of the book of Second Chronicles. So congratulations on completing this 14th book of the Bible. As we have mentioned before, Second Chronicles is the last book of the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh. Let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we just read. Unlike the kings of the northern kingdom, King Josiah did not order worship according to his own preferences, but according to what was commanded by God and would best portray the perfect finished work of Christ. Josiah celebrated the Passover according to the requirements of the law on the 14th day of Nisan, in contrast to Hezekiah's delayed observance in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 2. He gave instruction that the ark be left in the temple and not carried in the procession. Families were invited to be partakers of the portions of the sacrifices, whereas Hezekiah had given 7,000 sheep and 1,000 bulls as offerings in his day, Josiah provided 30,000 sheep and goats and 3,000 bulls. Josiah's leading officials gave generously to the people, to the priests, and to the Levites. The musicians, descendants of Asaph, were positioned as prescribed by David. The gatekeepers were diligent to guard their posts. 
we read this summary in Second Chronicles chapter 35, verse 18. There had not been celebrated a Passover like it in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet, nor had any of the kings of Israel celebrated such a Passover as Josiah did with the priests, the Levites, and all Judah and Israel who were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. While careful to obey God's counsel in the matter of public worship, King Josiah was negligent to seek God's mind concerning his military battles and alliances. He did not consult the Lord and made an alliance with Babylon to resist King Necho of Egypt, who was bringing his army north to help the Assyrians in their war against Babylon. What is particularly telling is that Josiah did not discern that God was speaking through the king of Egypt. But Necho sent messengers to him, saying, What have we to do with each other, O king of Judah? I am not coming against you today, but against the house with which I am at war, and God has ordered me to hurry. Stop for your own sake from interfering with God who is with me, so that he will not destroy you. Second Chronicles 35, verse 21 We can easily presume that we know what is best and that God will be faithful to back up our plans. We can also presume that if God wants to say something, he will exclusively use our preferred means of doing so. This is not always the case. If Josiah had tested the word with what had been revealed in Scripture about the need to trust the Lord and not appeal to other nations, he would have recognized that King Necho of Egypt was speaking in alignment with the revealed word of God. Josiah's failure to heed King Necho's message cost him his life, although God had already foretold through the prophetess Huldah that his early death would be a mercy. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 28, Josiah's death is eerily like that of King Ahab's. He disguises himself in the battle, where he is struck by an archer's arrow and taken from the valley of Megiddo to Jerusalem, where he dies. His reign, however, was judged positively. Jeremiah composed lamentations for Josiah. Most Bible scholars believe that these particular laments are lost. Jehoahaz, Josiah's son, at the age of 23, becomes king and reigns only three months before being dethroned by the king of Egypt. King Necho took him off to Egypt and made his brother Eliakim king, changing his name to Jehoiakim. We have read about Jehoiakim's evil 11-year reign in 2 Kings chapter 23. He's taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, along with items from Jerusalem's temple. Jehoiakim reigned three months and ten days before being taken to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar makes his uncle Zedekiah king over Jerusalem. Zedekiah proudly resists the messages of the prophet Jeremiah and rebels against King Nebuchadnezzar. For forty years, Jeremiah calls his people back to the Lord without success. Jeremiah's prophecies of Jerusalem's destruction are fulfilled. The chronicler emphasizes the hard attitudes of the people who resist the word of the Lord. Notice these sad words. But they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, until there was no remedy. Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 16. The inevitable destruction prophesied by Huldah and Jeremiah comes to pass as Jerusalem is ransacked, the temple is burned, the walls broken down, and the people are carried off to their seventy-year Babylonian captivity to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation it kept Sabbath until seventy years were complete. Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 21 The book of Chronicles ends with King Cyrus's declaration 
permitting the Jews to return to Jerusalem after their seventy years of exile and announcing that God had appointed him to sponsor the building of the temple there. The last words of the book anticipate the fulfillment of God's purpose. Let him go up. When given an opportunity to return and to worship the Lord, we should take it. Let him go up. Now let's go to our next stop in our Bible tour to the book of 1 Corinthians, which we begin today with chapter 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And this is the end of today's New Testament portion. Today we start on Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We know that the Apostle Paul wrote more than two letters to the church, but these are the letters that we have, and the Holy Spirit wants to make sure that we get His instruction through these two letters. The Corinthian church is experiencing the same kind of struggles we face today. In these first verses of chapter 1, we have an initial greeting and then a description of how Paul prays for the believers in Corinth. What do we learn about the church? Despite all its problems and imperfections, the Apostle Paul addresses them as belonging to God, sanctified in Christ, and called to be holy. Do you see your brothers and sisters that way? He also affirms the unity of the body of Christ. Believers are bound together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. What can we learn from Paul's prayer life? He sees the church in the light of God's gracious provisions, enriched, spiritually alive with the knowledge of God, not lacking in any spiritual gift, and eagerly awaiting the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, referring to His second coming. Are we thankful for what we have received through faith in the gospel? Paul recognizes that there are existing divisions in the church due to the carnal exaltation of personal preferences for certain celebrity pastors. He notices various factions among them. Some made hyper-spiritual claims of one-upmanship, citing that their group, apart from others, were bona fide followers of Christ and had no need for any human leadership. 
Paul makes an appeal to all these groups. He asks that they affirm the simple unity of the Spirit that comes through our faith union with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. By virtue of the cross of Christ, we are one body in Him. Paul makes clear that our ground of unity is Christ and His perfect work of redemption. To Him be all the glory. What about your identity? Is it based on anything other than the perfect work of Christ on your behalf? Do you affirm your unity with all other in Christ ones? We look forward to continuing this book tomorrow. Now let's move on to our next stop on our Bible tour, which is the book of Psalms, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. What a confession of faith we have in this psalm. In verses 1 through 3. This is followed by an expression of the new heart of a believer for fellowship with the living God. The word confidence is derived from the combination of the Latin words with and faith. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. The psalmist expresses the one thing he desires and seeks after, fellowship with the living God. Psalm 27, verse 4, and to get to know Him more. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. Psalm 27, verse 4. In days of trouble, he is confident that he is identified and lifted up with the one who is his rock. This picture of being hidden in the shelter of the tabernacle in verse 5 is a prophetic picture of being hidden with Christ in God, seated above in heavenly places. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3, verse 3. Have you put your trust in Christ? Are you identified with Him, uniting yourself to Him by faith? Now let's read from the book of Proverbs. We are in Proverbs chapter 20, and we will read verses 20 and 21. If one curses his father or his mother... His lamp will be put out in utter darkness. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Honoring parents is the first commandment with promise. Here we see that disobedience to that command means trouble. In verse 21, we have another warning against get-rich-quick schemes, as well as the danger of poor management of assets. Having completed today's readings from the One-Year Bible, let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we take to heart the lessons from the last kings of Judah and see our need to keep our eyes and ears fixed upon you. Thank you for reminding us of our identity and position in Christ Jesus with whom we are hid, identified. 
We pray for the unity and spiritual maturity of churches throughout the world that there would be a powerful global testimony to the glorious reality of Christ as our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been great traveling with you today, and I hope you can join with us tomorrow. We are excited about starting a new book, the 15th book of the Bible, the book of Ezra tomorrow, and also continuing on this corrective epistle, the letter of Paul to the Corinthians. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org, and we'll do our best to get back in touch with you. Also, if you would like to know more about New Life Community Church, New Life Fine Arts, and its many ministries, you can go to our websites, newlife.org or newlifefinearts.org. And you can subscribe at newlife.org to our daily email, which gives a written commentary of the portions that we are reading each day. God bless you, and until tomorrow, may the peace of the Lord abide with you. Shalom. Shalom.